The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. The night he climbs over the rubble that blocked the entrance to the castle. It was the scattered remains of the castle roof. The dragon had sent it avalanching down the kingdom walls when he severed it. Inching his way through the kingdom, through the castle halls, where there used to be singing and laughter and joy, there was now only a haunting silence. A silence that was only interrupted by the intervals of the rumbling breaths of the dragon's slumber. Into the great hall where the dragon lay, the night prowls closer. Poised at the dragon's head, his heartbeat now rivaling the volume of the dragon's exhale. And just as he unsheathes his sword, the eye of the dragon shudders open. His daggering serpent-like pupil narrows in on his intruding prey. Why a dragon? You ever ask yourself that? Why dragon? Why has the dragon been the everlasting apex predator and villain? I mean, and not just story. If you, if you go back into ancient civilizations and see their records and their stories, their drawings, there's consistently this, this presence of this great beast. If you look at a list of literature dating all the way back, even including to the Bible, B.C. times, up to our stories nowadays, you see a consistent enemy, the dragon. Why? Where did it come from? Who, who chose this one entity to be the constant villain in our life, and why didn't they pick something else? I mean, why not? I don't know. Why not a unicorn? They're a mystical, mythical creature. But I guess it's obvious. We all know the unicorns fart rainbows. <laughs> and that's just not terrifying. Ours might be. <laughs> but a unicorn's not. No, a, a dragon has always been the symbol of chaos and trouble. And not only has man made this description. But I'm, I'm going to take you into some scripture today. Obviously, we're going to look at Isaiah. That's the book we've been in. Now, last month we were in Job. Don't worry, I'm not going back there. But I want to hone in on one of the chapters that we didn't look at there because in there, this is one of the oldest books in the Bible, Job, oldest times. And in here, the writer records God giving out this description of this creature called the Leviathan. Now, as I, as I read it, I want you to see the description. Take a look at it. And also, as you picture it, it's okay if you do what my mind does, which is kind of wonder to like, what is God talking about? Is this an actual being that he's talking about? Is it a T-Rex? Is it a Megalodon? Is it that, 
that great big prehistoric crocodile that you see in your kid's dinosaur book, like, like wrestling a brontosaurus into like, is it that? Is it something real that was really here or is here now, like buried deep in our sea waiting to attack us, you know, like in movies that we see? Or was it just, was it just imagery that God was using? And either way, the imagery is what's most important because God connects it to something. Let me, let, me, let me just give you the description. Let's watch this movie. I love movies. Let's watch this movie together. This is Job chapter 41, 12 through 26. Listen to God's description. I will not fail to speak of Leviathan's limbs, its strength and its graceful form. Who can strip off its outer coat? Who can penetrate its double coat of armor? Who dares open its mouth, ringed about with fearsome teeth? Its back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. Each so close to the next, not even air can pass between. They are joined so fast to one another, they cling together and cannot be parted. Here's our favorite part about this thing. Its snorting throws out flashes of light. Its eyes are like rays of dawn. Flames stream from its mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from its nostrils as from a boiling pot over burning reeds. Its breath sets coals ablaze and flames dart from its mouth. Strength resides in its neck. Dismay goes before it. The folds of its flesh are tightly joined. They are firm and immovable. Its chest is hard as a rock, hard as a lower millstone. When it rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat before its thrashing. The sword that reaches it has no effect. What do you see? I see a dragon. You see, you see a dragon? I see a dragon. And the reason I see a dragon here, I think God wants us to see a dragon because God uses this same imagery later on throughout Scripture to connect this, this terrifying devastation to a, to a real villain. So whether or not dragons are real, I don't, I don't know. God knows. But this image that he uses to connect to a very real enemy, an enemy of God, an enemy of ours, is very terrifying. Let me show you. In Revelation, this is a prophetic book. This is a book of what's yet to come. Just like, just like in Isaiah, it was a prophecy that we're going to read, a, a foretelling of what's coming. Look in Revelation. Revelation 20, verse 1 and 2. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan. Okay, so this is the connection. God uses this horrible creature of a dragon, and he says, it's that guy over there. Not, not, I'm sorry, I'm not putting it on y'all. <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> Maybe. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. This is why the dragon has been consistently our villain throughout, of our, throughout all of our literature, because apparently the dragon is like Satan's spirit animal, right? And it makes perfect sense, because a dragon represents 3D, destruction, devastation, and death. Three things that are every year on Satan's Christmas list for all of us. And I really don't want to spoil our New Year cheer because it's no fun to think about there being this dragonous villain who doesn't like God and doesn't like any of us 
to the point where he would love to destroy us for the sake of destroying us. It's no fun to think about that, but did you see, did you skim past the grand finale in that verse? Did you see it? It said that the angel had this great chain and he seized up the dragon. He binds him up to help this out. Let me skip right to the happily ever after. God will slay the dragon. God is the killer of Godzilla. Do you hear me? There will be a great rumble in the jungle, like the thriller in Manila, and God's the killer of Godzilla. He stands no chance. And although I want you to grasp a hold of that beautiful future, the way I really should say it is like, God did and will slay the dragon. He did and will. I have to say it that way because if the Lord of the Rings epic finale of him, you know, the, the final of the trilogy and tossing him away into the hell that he tried to wreak on all of us, if that was the only ending for the dragon, but God didn't first defeat him earlier, unfortunately for us, our demise would still be the same. No, God, God had to first not only in the future rid him, he had to first defeat the dragon not only him, but he also had to defeat his curse. God not only had to slay the dragon, but he had to slay the curse of the dragon's sin. Our sin. Mankind sinned under the influence of the dragon. Satan tempted man to disobey God, go the other way, turn our hearts and minds and wills from him. And sin has been destroying and decaying us ever since. Sin still singes our lives. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to because God has already defeated sin's power, sin's punishment, He's already broken the chains of sin's curse. He's already defeated what the dragon has done. Because just like we look for in any tragic story, as we read and we turn the pages, we long for the moment, just like in this one, where the dragon slayer will arrive. Who can do something about this great beast? Who has the power? Who has the courage? Who has the ability? Who can do something? And there was someone. In our story, there was someone. Someone willing to risk it all. Someone who gave it all. The knight could see himself in the reflection of the dragon's eye. The dragon lifts his head. He pulls himself up, slamming his limbs into the ground. Frozen, the knight stares up, bewildered. The dragon beams down. Breaths of smoke cloud the sky. Without warning, he blazes fire. Tossing his shield, the knight dives behind, melting to breathe. As the dragon inhales again, the knight quickly hurdles the mound, leaps towards the dragon, draws back his sword, slashes at his neck, scrapes down his armor in a shower of sparks. Nothing. The dragon sinisterly grins down at him like a meal delivered to him 
by door dasheth. Knowing that his weapons would do nothing. And knowing what it would cost. Knight lays down his sword. And in an instant, in a flash, the teeth of the dragon come searing down and his jaws slam shut. The end. Read again. In any hero story, this would be a dramatic plot twist. He's here to save the day. And yet he goes in to the belly of the dragon. This would be a plot twist in this story, but in our story, it was actually a foretold prophecy. As the, as the prophet Isaiah wrote down this story, he was foretelling what would, what would come. And in our story, as the dragon had wreaked the curse of sin on us, Christmas would send a hero, Jesus. Jesus would grow and Jesus would live as one of us, as a man. He would, be, he would live out a ministry and he would eventually go to his destiny to face the dragon. But this is what it looked like. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, this is the battle that goes down between Jesus and the dragon. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Jesus was arrested by his own people, accused and beaten. Verse 5, it says that he was pierced for our transgressions, pierced. Like the teeth of a dragon, stakes pierced through the hands and feet of Jesus as he was nailed to a cross. Sounds like he's winning. He was crushed. And this next part will crush us. He was crushed for our iniquities, our wrongs, our sin. Jesus was crushed. The punishment that comes with sin, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He got wounds, we got healing. He got death, we got freedom. Why? Because of verse six. This is the definition of sin right here. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Doesn't say some. It says all. Each of us has turned to our own way. And what God did was lay on him the iniquity of all of us. Jesus' death on the cross broke sin's curse, you guys. Sin is a curse. It, it compels us, it pulls us, it ruins every part of our life that we love, and it, 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 it can infect any area of our life. 
and contaminate it. Anywhere that God wants to breathe his blessing, sin can get in there. It's like COVID. It refuses to go away. It just morphs into something else. It refuses to go away. Jesus brought the healing for it by his death on the cross. Him dying on the cross broke it. Like a knight in the belly of a dragon, Jesus laid in the grave. And all of our sin and all of its consequence laid in there with it. And when Jesus resurrected, when Jesus left the grave, came back to life, when he left the grave, it gave us now the power, the opportunity, the freedom to leave behind sin. This is why the gospel is called the good news. I know I'm kind of pounding away here. Sin just makes you feel like, ugh. But do you see the good news? The blame, the consequence, the penalty, all of it is removed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's why it's called the good news, because it's it's great news. But I do got to ask a question about it, though. If, if Jesus has defeated the power and the curse of the dragon, of sin, if that's so, then why do we still see dragon-like devastation everywhere, including in us? It's almost like we saw the end of the story. Somehow, miraculously, the night is free from the dragon. The dragon is slayed. It lays there lifeless. There's partying in the streets and all this stuff, and then the credits start to roll. But then they stop for a moment, and it goes to this shot where you see the dragon's tail. And it weaves up, and you see its lifeless legs, and you see its immobile wings, and it goes up to its neck, and then it comes to his face, and then it pans in on his face, and his eye opens up, and the screen goes black. How? Sequel, wait, what, no, he's supposed to be gone. How can, he, how can he still have any effect if he's been defeated? And this is why. This is the most, this is the hardest line I'm gonna say today. Get ready. There is no, there is not a more tragic story than for Jesus Not one mistake, not one ounce of sin to take the blame of the entire world and all of its wrong and be penalized for it beyond our imagination, to die in our place for the sin that we did and will commit to free us from all that and for us to live by and continue to go back to the sin that put him on the cross. There's no greater tragedy. None. And and, and by doing so, what we do is continue to keep the dragon active and alive and roaming about. And I hope that that stirs up enough of like, nah, Like even in the story when the knight could see himself in the dragon's eye. 
I hope that when we see ourselves in the dragon, becoming the dragon, that it stirs up this, that we don't like it, and we want to we wanna fight back against it. But the problem is we're picking up weapons that are useless against it. We honestly feel like we can defeat our discontent if we just wield a stronger sword of success. I think I can slay my selfishness if I just give better Christmas gifts this year. I know I can defeat my addiction if I just swing the sword of more willpower. Read another self-help. Swing the sword harder. I can defeat it. I feel like I can, I know that I can defeat my social bias if I just become more eclectic or cultured. All of those things, none of our weapons work against because at the core of all those things, there is sin. And our weapons do nothing against it. To slay the dragon in your life that we become, to slay the dragon, you have to lay down your weapon. All of the weapons you've been clinging tight to, you have to lay them down. Jesus defeated the dragon. And if anybody had weapons, it was Jesus. At any moment, he could have annihilated anyone that came against him but we would still be in danger. So what Jesus did was willingly lay down his weapons and lay down his life. He surrendered himself to the teeth and the fire of the dragon. And if we want to defeat the dragon in our life, we will have to lay down our weapon But I get it. I feel like going into battle against the very dragon that is out to destroy you, that can seem very helpless. But God doesn't want you helpless. He wants to equip you with what you need. It's not that weapons aren't what we need. It's that we don't need ours. We don't need our vices. We don't need our mentalities. We don't need our habits. We need his. Let me show you. I'm going to give you one more scripture. I was really, really just going through this scripture. This is in Hebrews. This is later. The writer of Hebrews is writing to the church. He's writing to you. He's writing to me then and now. And this is what it says. The key word I want you to see in here is equip. Okay, watch this. Now may the grace, now may the, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, Bane's the God, the God who had the power to bring Jesus back from life, okay? May, may God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. What this verse is saying is that the way of Jesus is the way we slay. Now, if you still read the newspaper, the word slay is important. Okay, slay. 
The way of Jesus is the way we slay. We can't fight this dragon with spears and with swords. We tried fighting sin and the dragon's sin with all of our weapons. But what you've seen, I don't even need to pound away at it. What you've seen is that they don't work. Like, 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 a, like a knight standing before the dragon, you see that your best attempt at it does nothing. Our only equipping that will do anything is to surrender to God's will and to God's way. That's what this verse says. May he equip you for doing good for his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him. That's God's will and that's God's way. And that way is the way we slay. The dragon is going to continue to prowl until God finally. And God's going to do that in his own time. That's not for us to know. What is for us to know is that he won't leave you ill-equipped to face this enemy still coming after the best parts of your life. He will equip you. But you got to first lay down your weapons. We don't fight this dragon with a spear. We fight it with a spirit, God's spirit. You cannot fight this dragon by wielding a sword or clinching a sword. You have, to, you have to fight it by the word that clinches you, the word that convicts your heart and compels you to understand God and obey him. You cannot fight this dragon with force. You have to fight him with faith. You cannot slay this dragon by being obstinate with God. You have to be obedient. Those weapons, they will defeat, they will slay, they will destroy sin and the dragon behind all of it. So the first weapon that needs to be laid down today is anyone who that may still have up a shield or a, def or a defense against the gentle inviting voice that maybe you've been hearing for a long while from God. Maybe today is the first time that you heard. This story that I told today, I told a story. It's the story of the gospel. It's the story of a God who loved us so much that he didn't want sin or the dragon to destroy us. He was willing to lay his own life on the line, sending Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. God powerfully brings him back from the dead because not only did God want to forgive us of all our sin, he wanted to give you life the way it was supposed to be. And you can have it you lay down, you lay down your weapons, remove, remove your defenses, remove your doubts, remove your inhibitions to trust him and trust him today. I'm asking anyone here and online is, is today, is this moment the day that maybe you believe? You believe that Jesus did that for you. Do you want that? Do you want the freedom from sin? 
you want a relationship with Jesus. And if you do, all you need to do right now, in this moment, in your heart of hearts, beneath all that armor, is say yes. Yes, Jesus, I believe. And if you made that decision, will you please let me know? Please. There's a QR right there on the screen. You can scan it and you can let me know that way. You can tell our prayer team who's going to be coming forward to the sides of the room here in just a moment. You can tell somebody at Next Steps. But please do it because when you do it, I'm, I'm the one that's going to give you a phone call. I'm going, to, I'm going to follow up with you. And just a little celebration, you guys, that I want to say to you, every week I'm calling somebody. Every week I'm calling somebody. So I don't care what it looks like out there in our world. I don't care what you see the dragon's wings flapping or his tail sweep. We know that there's a battle going on. God is winning. He is winning. And, and, and he's winning in hearts. People saying yes, believing in him. So please let me know if you made that decision today so that I can follow up with you, equip you, with the new life and the new weapons that God has given you to stand up against the dragon. And for all of us, for all of us today, I'm gonna take a moment. Our prayer team is here. They would love to pray with anyone who needs prayer. I, I, I wanna pray with us if we can. And we're, we're like, what, 14 hours away from 2024, a new year. And I don't want any of you in here to be discouraged by something you'll see online or something somebody tells you about, oh, here's your New Year's rev resolution. Let's, let's, let's go pack the gym for January and then peace out. Like, listen, listen. Don't let anybody talk you out of something that you've set your mind on doing. Do it. If you're going to fail, fail in flight. Try it. Okay? At least try it. But how, let, me, let me just say this. Let me say this. Do you know that some of the things in your life that maybe you've attempted to make brand new or to stop doing or to try to, do you know that we've sabotaged them? And do you know that some of the things, the mechanisms that we use to sabotage them, do you know that some of them are connected to sin? Yeah. We actually can't pull off what it is we want to do because the dragon is still weaving through our lives. So how about this? Why not start off the new year with a, a New Year's revelation? I want to take this moment as we pray, and why not, why not start the year off saying, God, and what you did to free me from sin, there's no, there's no, it should have no place in my life. There's no reason it should be coming anywhere near me. And yet I know. I'll be right there. But God, if you show me, show me where I'm wrong. David said, reveal to me, search my heart, show me where I'm wrong. Paul said, God, forgive me for what I don't even know I'm doing. A New Year's revelation could open your eyes to where sin is still infecting your life. And this is not guilt. This is grace. He will forgive you. He will remove it. He will empower you and equip you what it takes to drag that dragon by his tail and out of your life. So why don't we do that? 
I, I, I want all of your New Year's aspirations to, to win. Don't let them get thwarted by sin. No. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Not to ever be taken for granted, God. We thank you for a, a new year. Some of us, some of us right now, God, might even just take a deep breath and say, I don't even know that I was supposed to have another one. God, we're grateful. Thank you. In this moment, what we want to do is dedicate 2024 to be yours. There's dreams all across. A new year sparks this nice spirit, God, of, a, of your mercies being new every day and just a fresh start. And all of us want to embrace it with goals, dreams, improvements. But God, any dream that we have in you, man, you, you know how any trace of sin can just contaminate it. God, what I'm praying for your people, for me, for us, is a revelation in our hearts. Would you reveal to us, would you be the x-ray? Would you reveal to us? Where is sin trying to compromise our lives? Where is the dragon rearing its ugly head? God, would we have the courageousness to lay down our defense weapons, our denial weapons, our, our force, our might? Would we lay it down? And God, as we do, would you reveal your will and your way? God, have your way. As we go into this time of worship, what we're going to sing is the fight that is truly our fight that we have in you. And I just pray. I pray that hearts, first of all, hearts that have chosen to believe in you today, God, would you equip and would you solidify their decision? Give them the courage to let us know. Get them into this family of God anybody making a revelation prayer to you today, God, about fighting against this sin, fighting against the dragon. God, would you equip us with your word, your will, your way, your spirit, your power, your might. Heavenly Father, in this moment and in this new year, we yield, we lay down, we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.